Amen. If you have Bibles, we will be in two different places today. We'll get to a little bit. I'll give you a heads up so you can start to get there. It'll be in Matthew 4, 18, as well as Romans 12, 1 here in just a minute. But uh, as we start and jump into the new series, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever been, have you ever been so excited yet nervous at the same time? You ever been in a situation like that before? Like you can't wait to get this off your chest, but at the same time you, you're extremely nervous of how it's going to come out or how it's going to be received or what it's going to be like. You ever, you ever been in a moment that just feels heavy? Uh, last time I can remember for me, not last time, but one profound times for me was a situation was uh, freshman year of college uh, or on, thank, on, sorry, on uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, it was a day that I actually went and asked uh, Emily's dad for permission to marry her. I was nervous. I was, a, I was a nervous wreck. I was scared to death. But I remember wanting to ask him, and I, I was so excited for this moment, but at the same time, it, it's, it's a big moment. And so I had conned him into thinking that I need to learn how to grill chicken. And, and so I asked him, would you teach me how to grill chicken? And we go out to his backyard, and he starts showing me how you stack up charcoal just right. Man, he's getting all into it, because that's his thing. That's his wheelhouse. And I'm there back there, and I'm not listening to a word he's saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, Mark. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And I'm just thinking, Eric, just say it. Just get it out. Just get it out. Just get it out. And he's, he's like, oh, you stack it just right. You pour this amount of fluid on top. You give it a second to soak. And as he's doing this sort of stuff, I said, Mark, I want to ask you, uh, I would like to, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he stopped spraying the lighter fluid. He kind of looked down, his hands kind of shaking, he takes a step back, and he kind of laughs as you got me. <laughs> he said, I knew it was coming. He goes, I knew it was coming. I already made up my mind that when you were going to ask me, I was going to tell you, let's go hunting first. And I was going to take you out, shoot guns, had this whole thing in my mind. And I'm like, thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, listen, love her to death, but maybe, maybe you need to find someone else. I don't know. Uh, but I was so nervous and so excited. I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that. This feels heavy. It's just weird. I can't describe. And, and this week's been so distracting. I, as you can probably hear, like, my nose has been running. I'm caught. I'm probably not going to make it to the same without blowing my nose. Nothing seems to be going right. Man, it just feels heavy. It's just a weird situation right now. And there's so many things distracting. And, and so with that in mind, I'm going I'm to be selfish for just a split second and ask you just to pray with me and for me and for yourself. And so where you're at, if you would just do me this favor, if you're a guest here, I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. Uh, I just ask you to just sit in the moment. If you, if you uh, would, just pray. And just take a second. I'm going to ask you to do this with your head bowed, your eyes closed, take a second. And just selfishly pray for me where you're at. That God would fearlessly just share through me what he's laid on our heart. That this is not me speaking, this is what God's speaking. That the distractions of my, my runny nose, the, the distractions of a squeak, the, the heaviness would just would, would dissipate in this moment, and I'd just be able to fearlessly proclaim where God's leading. And so I just ask you to do that. Continue to pray. I'm going to ask you to do this now to pray for yourself that you would hear. It's our natural inclination to, to critique, to poke holes in every situation, and, and, and this needs it. Don't get me wrong, but I, I just ask you just pray for yourself that God would allow you an ear to hear what He might be saying. And maybe in your heart right now, you're dealing with your own distractions. Maybe there's 
bitterness, frustration, maybe there's sickness, whatever it is. Maybe there's someone in the room that you're upset with that you need to let go and you need to say, God, I, I just want to forgive them. And whatever it is in your life right now that might keep you uh, from hearing what needs to be said, I'm just going to ask you to just give that to God. Father, I'm going to ask you to pray for the people next to you and pray for this church. That God would allow us to rally behind something that he's leading us to. That we'd faithfully stack hands together and run in the same direction to be impactful for his kingdom. Pray that we'd find a way to find camaraderie and unity in what we do and fight for a common cause put our own desires and ambitions aside and to put God's will and desire first and foremost. Father God, help me, please. If my mind is everywhere but here right now, I need to focus, I need you, I need your presence. I need you to speak. God, I don't want any glory I don't want any criticism from this. I want, I want all to be you. God, I pray the message would sink into hearts and into lives. And God, I pray if this is your will, God, I, I know that it will become contagious. God, humble my heart and the other elders' hearts and the leadership's hearts. We've prayed about this. God, if, if this isn't the will of God, I pray it humble us to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate. God, we don't want to force a vision. God, we want to guide a vision. God, be with our church right now. It's such a fragile time, but such an important time. Thank you for being present in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I thank you for that. I really do appreciate that. We are starting a new series. We're kind of unpacking a vision that's been long overdue in many ways and something that we knew needed to come. And if you're kind of confused, like, why is this so heavy? Why is the vision so heavy for a church? Well, Scripture, scripture makes no qualms about why vision is important. Proverbs 29, 18, in the New American Standard Version says this, says, where there is no vision, people are unrestrained or suffer, but happy or blessed is he who keeps the law. But I love the message version, which you see on the screen here. It says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Isn't that true? It says, but they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. And so when we can see, when we can identify together as a church saying, this is where God is leading us, and we begin to stop doing a buckshot approach and just see if we can hit so much, eventually something might be impactful. We begin to narrow our gaze as a church and say, listen, where, how can we stack our feet, our hands, our minds, our hearts, our passions in the same direction and lead in this? What can God do in and through us? What would happen if we suddenly started being intentional in our efforts rather than just running place to place and allowing, just saying, let's see what happens. Like God has blessed us with wisdom, with minds, with direction to be intentional with our lives, with our church, with what we're doing. And it's important for us. I mean, God has a purpose for the church. When I say church, I mean big C church. We, we as elders wrestled about this. What, what is the purpose of the big C church as far as the kingdom church of it all? You see passages like Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39. He says, listen, they asked him, said, Jesus, what's the most important thing in all of Scripture to do? And he says this. He says, Listen, if you want to get it right, if you want to summarize it in a nutshell, it's this. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all that you are. 
do all this and you get it right. And the second is this, love others. And if you can get those two things right, and if you filter everything through that lens, listen, all the law, all the prophets, everything you read in here hinges on those two things. And before Jesus leaves in Matthew chapter 28, 18, something known as the Great Commission, his last words, he tells them, they said, what do we do? He said, listen, go make disciples of all nations. As you go about your life, as you go about your day, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And guess what? I will surely be with you until the end of the age. And this is how you're going to win over the kingdom. This is how you're going to win over the world. And he left it to 11 men. Like, get it done. This is the role of the big C church. This is what the church, if you were to summarize it, we kind of said this. It would be this, to love God, love people, and as we go, make disciples. This is the definition. What would be the big C church? I love in one of my books I have called The Discipleship Quote. It says, simply put, the church exists to make disciples who make disciples. How do you know you're a true disciple? You, you make other disciples. If you never made a disciple, can I tell you something? You're not a disciple. It has to carry on. It cannot stop with you. It has to keep going. And so as we talked about this, we wrestled. So what is the role specifically for our church, for North Point? Because we have a role within that. How do we carry out this function? Think of it in this. As a team, as a sports team, whatever, you have a goal as a team to win a game, but you, as a person on the team, have a specific role on that team. In high school, I learned this when I played basketball. My coach says, my coach says Eric, listen, uh, we, we want to obviously score more points. We want to do this. But you have a significant role. You are the professional screener. You run around, just set picks on people, and you gather rebounds and make other guys look good. Like, I had a role on the team, and if I did not embrace my role and run with it, listen, my team suffered. And we could all do our own thing but until I took hold and said, listen, what is my purpose? Listen, we, we were not effective as a team. And so what is North Point's specific role? Like, how has God specifically placed us, trained us, developed us, brought the people we have to be impactful for his kingdom? And so the elders, we went and we, we wrestled with this. We said, what does this look like? And so in October of this past year, we went down to Falls Creek and spent two days down at Falls Creek just resting. God lead us, spent time in prayer, time studying scripture and tearing apart God's word and saying, God, how have you specifically led us to this place? We walked away from that vision retreat to a place where we felt we had a rough draft where God was leading us. And we said we want to spend a month praying and allow God to change our hearts and direct us. And so for a month we prayed, we basked it, we just rested in it. And we came back in November 20th and we said, listen, is God still leading our hearts to the same place? I said, yes. We began to refine it. So let's make it in a more precise state. Let's make it into more something functional for us. And for another little over a month until about January 8th we wrestled and finally came to a point that we said, this is where God's leading us. And I want to share that with you today. I know that's a long intro. I apologize. But I want to share that with you today. It's so important. And for this series, there's three parts to our vision that we want to share. And we're only going to pack one each week because I don't want you to get the cart before the horse. I don't want you to start running and materializing your own mind and making up your things. I want to wrestle with this together as a church. And so you're going to get one per week. And the fourth week, um, if my plan goes as I, I hope, I have a special guest coming in that I think is going to be really cool for us. But the first part of our vision is this, and it's plain and simple, and there's nothing profound or amazing, it's intentional, it's this. We feel like God's calling us, first and foremost, to develop faithful followers. It's to develop faithful followers. You see, you hear that, you say, well, what does that mean, Eric? That seems like a weird sort of thing. <clears throat> you have to understand what the word even develop means, because some of you might cringe even hearing that at first, like, ugh, I don't like that, I don't understand that. The word develop means it's a verb, it means to build up, to grow, or to improve gradually over time. It's a process, not an end destination. 
And we wrestle and said, listen, as us, we want to have people developing, like have a pattern of seeking the Lord faithfully and following him. The problem is we say we want mature believers. All of us would hide behind an excuse like, well, I'm never going to be mature. I'm never going to be at that place. Like if I were to come ask you, hey, do you read your Bible enough? How many of you would honestly go, oh, yeah, man, I read it plenty. I'm a great, humble Christian right here. Like look at me, pat myself on the back. We'll use it as an excuse to hide behind, but we say, listen, we need people developing in their faith. We need people pursuing the Lord. And as you turn to Matthew 4, 18, verse 18 through 22, I want to make a case of why this is important. And I think that statement sums up the first part of what God says. Listen, if you want to do something right, love God with all that you are. So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, you have a situation where Jesus is just starting his ministry. He's already been tempted. He's come through that. He's beginning his ministry in Galilee. In verse 18, you can see a situation where he calls his first disciples. It says, as he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now, what's interesting about this is they were fishing. This is, means this is their lot in life they've chosen. They didn't make it as a disciple already in their younger life and make it out, but now they're fishing. And contrary to what we might think that, you know what, man, they were just poor fishermen. They do anything better in life. Actually, we know from historical documents in Galilee, fishing was a prime way of life. And so for them, this would actually be a good living for them. They'd be doing pretty well for themselves. And for whatever reason, they're not catching fish or having rough that day. And, and suddenly Jesus comes across. And look at verse 19 he says. He says, follow me. Plain, simple. Just follow me, he told them, and I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you fish for people. It says, verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. They immediately did exactly what he said. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. And you know he says the same thing because he does it over and over with the disciples. In verse 22, it says, immediately they left their boat, and their father, and they follow him. They cast everything aside and follow him. You see, there's two directives going on here. First is come follow me. Jesus says, listen, I just want you to come follow me. Just come spend time with me and see what I'm all about. And he says, when in doing so, I'm the one that will make you fishers of men. Don't we get that backwards? Like, don't we want to go do rather than come be first? Like, we want to come and rock it for ourselves. Like, hey, I'll figure it out for myself. And then saying, God, like, just come be with me and I'll take care of the rest. And what's interesting to me is he does this for every disciple. In John chapter 1, verse 43, it's Philip he calls. He says, come follow me. And Philip drops what he has and comes follow him. In Luke chapter 5, 27, it's Matthew. Matthew's this tax collector. And he says, hey, come follow me. And they immediately drop what they're doing. You have to understand the first invitation for a disciple is not to go and do, but it's come and follow. It's to come and follow me. Just come and be with me. Can, can I tell you something? It's not about going and doing. It's about coming and being. And when we get this out of whack, there's something that go, falls off trace in our lives. Think of it this way. And some of you are saying, well, this sounds so rudimentary. It sounds so foundational. It sounds so fundamental. It is. It's foundational to everything. Because if you can't, you can't pass on what you don't have. If I'm not walking with the Lord, if I don't know what it looks like to have a prayer life, I haven't even started, I haven't read the Bible, what, what are people going to come in and mimic in my life? What are they going to see? Our teachers in college used to say all the time, you can only take people to where you've been. You can't take them any farther. You can tell them what it might look like, but when they see it firsthand, that is life transformational, when they see what's going on in your life. Well, let me ask it this way. If our church grew right now, what would we pass on to them? 
If we added 30, 40 more people and they come and start sitting in our classes and they begin watching our lives and looking over here, over here and us and say, well, what does this following Jesus look like? What would, would, I, would I have any example of a prayer life to pass on? Would I be able to even tell them what it's like to read God's word and for it to change my life? Would I be able to tell them what it's like to serve in the church and the joy I find? Would I be able to tell them what it's like to be engaged in a group of people who love and pursue Christ together? Because can I tell you, people mimic what they see. And so for us, the foundational part for us is we have to come and say, listen, in my own life, am I growing? My, am, I, am I even following God? Am I starting from foundation number one, just come and follow me? And this is hard for us. Many of us hear this like, yeah, Eric, let's get to the next step. This is, I, I got this down, man. I got this. I got this. I mean, I, I don't need that. Yeah, 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 move on. The reality is we, we struggle with this idea of developing. We struggle with this thinking, I've got this down, and we really don't look at ourselves. I, I equate it to just this past week, um, my, my sister-in-law, Emily's sister, came into town, and she has a one-year-old baby, and he's just now, baby Walter, learning how to walk. Now, can I tell you, he's clumsy as all get out. It's, I mean, I mean it, it's something to that nature. Now, my daughter, Addie, was following him around all the time. Now, can I tell you something I've learned from my own two kids and from this baby right here? When babies learn how to walk, they don't want to walk. They want to run, right? As soon as they get up, they... You know, they're, they're taking off. You're trying to run over and trying to catch them. They don't want to learn the basics, like just basic steps at a time. They want to take off running. In reality, you like, you got to learn how to crawl and walk before you can take off running. And for us as a kingdom of God, for us as a church, if we're going to be impactful, we're going to be intentional. Listen, we need to learn how to walk first, walk in the footsteps of Christ so other people can mimic the same thing in our life. What does it look like to follow me? And if you think, man, I'm beyond this, this is past me, you, you got to understand even Jesus spent time walking the Lord. You look at Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says Jesus was growing in wisdom and stature. Jesus was sitting by the feet of the rabbis, learning what it looked, looked like to walk with God. Jesus didn't skip this step. And in Luke chapter 2, 52, Jesus is growing in stature and faith and learning what it looks like to develop in his own walk. And it's not until Luke chapter 5, verse 27, before he starts getting others under his wing to mimic him. If Jesus isn't going to skip a step, why do we think that we can why do we think again? Jesus developed himself before he ever developed others. And so many of us want to do it. We think about our families. We think about our lives. And what happens when we take a hard look at ourselves and say, what about me? When I think of this, I think of this next picture I have right here. You ever seen this on a flight? You ever see the stewardess get up there and tell you this sort of situation? In case of emergency, a mask is going to fall down. What's the first thing they tell you? Place the mask on the kid and make sure. No, just place it on yourself. Why? So you can be more astute to help someone else next to you. And sometimes we want to spend so much time looking at other people and we say, Man, how, how can I grow in my walk with God? Listen, when we develop ourselves, when we dig into ourselves and say, God, I'm going to start with myself and believe I'm going to permeate outward all the aspects of life, you're going to do the rest. Jesus simply said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And too many often we want to say, I'm going to make fishers of men and then I'll start come following you. And people come and mimic our poor habits, our poor attitudes, our poor lifestyle and say, Man, why is it not catching on? We're just creating more and more immature Christians. And if you're saying right now, man, we need to grow. We do need to grow. That's why it's so important to get this right, get the foundation, get the base layer done right. And so what does this look like? What, what, what's some practical ideas, some practical barometers we can look at? We'll turn to Romans chapter 12. Hopefully you still have that marked in your Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 15, 
talks about what should development look like, I think. I think it's a great summarization of what Paul says in all his scriptures and what Jesus says of, of some things that we can look for in our life. And so if you'll indulge me and just follow along, this is Paul's letter. In Romans chapter 1 through 11, Paul's making this whole case for a need for Christ, about how the gospel changes us, and if we don't get the gospel right, we're going to get everything else wrong. And that's why he turns with this word, therefore, because the therefore is what set everything else, like because you get all this stuff before, now therefore this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. It says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. He says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. I struggle with that, I'm going to be honest. Instead, think sensibly as God has disturbed, distributed a measure of faith to each one. He says, now as we may have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members are one another. According to the grace given us, we have different gifts. If prophecy uh, use it according to pro- proportion of one's faith. If it's service, use it in service. If teaching, use it in teaching. If exhortation, use it as exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence, and showing mercy with cheer- cheerfulness. He says, let love, listen, this is about to hit home, guys. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil and cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal, but be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs and pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. It's not easy, is it? Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give carefully, careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And finally, says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now you say, how does this tie into developing? Well, let me break it down. The first part is this. One aspect you should be looking at your life is, are you saved? If you start from any other groundwork, you're going to start from a rocky situation. Do you have, honestly, a relationship with the Lord? He starts with that phrase with, therefore. Therefore what? Because you understand, if you grasp what was before, that Christ came and died on the cross for your sins and you could not save yourself, and if you think you can be righteous, you've crucified yourself to unrighteousness. You will never make it. And the only way you can receive salvation is through this gift of God. And so he says, therefore, if you get this and offer yourself as a living sacrifice, it starts with a relationship with the Lord. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God, right? Too often we come to church and we can tell you, we can spout scripture, we can tell you everything about God, but when it comes to knowing God, we don't know anything about God ourselves. Last week I used the illustration of Thunder fans and stuff. I can tell you everything about Thunder basketball and tell you about all these sorts of, I can tell you stats, I can tell you the record, I can tell you everything, what's going on. But you talk to my friend Royce Young, who has actually spent time, he can tell you players' personal interests, things they like, jokes, inside stories, what's going on. Why? Because he's actually spent one-on-one face-to-face time with them. That there's a difference. And too many of us want to associate with things of God rather than be with God ourselves. 
And if you don't have a relationship with God, it's so important. So when it comes to developing, listen, what does that look like for our church? We want to know, everyone in our church, do, do you honestly know that you're a Christian? Do, do you know God for yourself? Do you, were you simply raised in a church? Or have you come to a point and said, listen, I've accepted Christ like God is, I want to know your testimony. I've started the past three weeks. Some of you guys, I went, Rick Dries, where are you at? So I'm not calling you out, brother. Man, I went to lunch with him a few weeks ago. God's convicted me. I want to hear guys. And I said, man, would you tell me your testimony? I want to hear it. I want to hear your story. I want to know you're saved, man. I want to know. We want to know that you know the Lord. And so it has to start with the foundation of a relationship with God. The second thing you find is verse 2. Not only do we, we have a relationship, but we're also growing. It says, do not be conformed to the, the patterns of this age. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so why that you can discern. All, all these eyes, are, these words are growth. It's people who are seeking after the Lord. The biblical words you find that ties in with this, we throw around is a word called sanctification. Do you know what that means? It sounds like a big word, but it's simply this. It means becoming more and more like Christ every single day. That you spend so much time around him that he begins to rub off on you. People are like, man, you're starting to look and dress and talk just like Jesus does. There's something about you. You ever been around someone like that? You spend so much time around them, you begin to sound like them, you begin to act like them, you begin to talk like them? Or are you growing in your walk with the Lord? Not, not do you have this to perfection, not because you, yes, we could always be doing more, but honestly, in your life, can you say, listen, in my life, I'm, I'm trying, I'm seeking, I'm working at it. I'm growing my walk with the Lord. The third thing I point out is this, verse 9 through 15. You're also engaged. More specifically, you're engaged in a connecting group. It's a measuring stick we want to have. Look at the words he uses. Love one another. Outdo one another. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Share with the saints. Pursue hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice with you. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. How can you do these things sitting in a pew? Let's be honest. How can you rejoice with the person next to you when you come in on a Sunday morning, walk in, sit and listen to me preach, Matt, lead worship, maybe drop some money plate and leave right out? You can't do that. For us, man, our bread and butter, it, it comes through connecting groups. That's where you're going to see life transformation happen. How are you going to get that? Even if you're involved in a connecting group, you're coming once every third or fourth week, and you're not seeing people. How are you able to weep with them? You have no comfort. You have no life with them. Being engaged means digging down deep with people. Can I tell you something? Connecting groups are vital, and I'd even argue with you biblical to what we're trying to do here. It's our greatest place of development that will take place. And on top of that, listen, don't miss this. It's also going to be our greatest witness. It's going to be the greatest place that people will come and see the Lord and want to pursue after the Lord. Don't believe me, John 13, 35, Jesus said this. It's kind of his last words to him. He says, love one another just as I've loved you. You're also to love one another. He says, by this love for one another, everyone will know that you're my disciples. Think about that for a second. By the fact that I love Pete over here and I show my love, and despite our differences, me and him are going to continue to pursue Christ together. When people see that and see us get past our differences and we continue to pursue love, like, there's something different. What is so different about you, man? It's all because of what Christ has done in me. Can I tell you something? You can't get that coming once every other week sitting in a pew. You can't get that. You can't get that coming once every so often, checking in for an hour, checking out. Can I tell you, you're barely going to get that coming once a week sitting in a connecting group. It's something you're going to have to pursue life together. You're going to engage on a daily, weekly basis. Don't forget Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Another thing that shows us 
talks about these disciples who are pursuing the Lord together, and it says, every day the Lord added the number to those who were being saved. Where did that come out of? Well, why are they doing that? Well, if you read right before, because they were developing as faithful followers. They were daily spending time together. They were loving one another. They were sacri- Listen, you, you can't miss this. What is the, hey, you have to engage. We've got so many people who just want to check in, check out. You, you, connecting groups are the key to our vision. If you don't indulge in that, you don't engage in that, you're, you're gonna, the church will fall short for you. The church will constantly fall short for you. The last thing is this what it looks like, verse 3 through 8. It's serving. It's saved. It's growing. It's engaged. And finally, it's serving. Look at verse 4. It says, no one, it says, now we have many parts. One body and all the parts do not do the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and are individually members of one another. We all have a role. We have a role within the local body of the church. You have a purpose here. Being used by God is vital to the development. You say, why is that? Can I tell you something? You'll never feel a part of God's kingdom until you're fulfilling your part in the kingdom. Until then, you're just a spectator. You're just a fan sitting on the sidelines. Until you're participating, you're jumping in, and all of a sudden, I'm fulfilling my God-given role. I'm, I'm making a difference in the kingdom. I'm suddenly fulfilling a part that no one else, like if I miss a week, this ministry area hurts, this people hurts. They're losing something. Until you engage in that, you'll never feel a part of what's going on. You'll never feel the need for that. And it's important for us to jump into that. That's what developing looks like. And a lot of you hear that and we're tuning it out. I can, I can already feel some people like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's move on. Listen, if we don't get this right, what happens? If we get it out of sync, out of whack, what happens? Can I, can I just do, I, I'm, I'm an old youth pastor, so I like visual illustrations. So would you all indulge me for a second? Matt, I'm going to make a mess up here. I'm sorry. Imagine this is like the Lord right here. And the Lord's ready to, imagine this is a never-ending experience. Like God's ready to pour himself out into us. Like God wants to feel like that. God is hungry to feed us with more and more. And what happens, we come, we come and sit in a sanctuary, and God pours into us, and he pours, and we stop. And we leave and go home. And then we try to go serve, and we pour into people here, have a little bit of this, and we sprinkle a little Jesus here and all over the place. And before you know we come back to church, and man, our cup feels like this. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like you come to church and, man, your cup is just empty? Like, I'm running on fumes. I'm exhausted. So you come back, man, I need a little more. Man, God, fill me up a little more. And God, man, great worship, man. Mass worship, Eric's sermon not go good, so let's pour a little out. But the worship was powerful today, right? And you come and you go sprinkle Jesus on here and you sprinkle all over and you're, you're pouring Christ out throughout the week. You're giving more people. And you come back to church and you find yourself every single week. But this week, a kid's sick. Something's going on. You miss church. You suddenly start coming. What happens? Man, you don't get filled that week. We find ourselves getting taxed because we're running all over the place. We're trying to pour out, pour Jesus into people, trying to give to you, trying to give it away, give it away, give it away, and yet we find ourselves empty. Can I tell you what happens when we begin to seek after the Lord and God says, listen, just come follow me. Just come sit under me and allow me to fill you up. Don't worry about the other stuff. Because once I do, man, I'll overflow your cup and I'll surround people in your life that whenever you come, listen, they'll, they'll get filled, trust me. You'll sprinkle enough Jesus. I'd walk all over the stage right now and show you what I'm talking about, but I hope you get my point. Listen, if we don't get this right, we're going to wear ourselves out. Church becomes a joy because when we come, we're, we're filling up the cup with other people around us, man. We're pouring ourselves out. Listen, honestly, can I ask you a question? Does this look like your relationship with the Lord? Do you have such a walk with him, such a pour with him that you come, and when you come, when people struggle, man, you're filling them back up because God just overflowing your cup.
This is why we got to get developed right. We get it out of whack, something happens. When we get it out of whack, listen, when we start serving without having a relationship with the Lord, we do it out of pride, out of arrogance of who we are. We, we begin engaging without growing, without having a relationship with God. You know what happens? It becomes a social group. And I want to be a part of that as long as they make me happy. Can I tell you something? When we begin growing without a relationship with the Lord, you know what happens? You know what comes from that? We begin feeding on self-righteousness. Now, look how good I am. Look how many times I've read my Bible. Look how many times I've prayed. Look at me. And the moment we fall track, we find to fall into a pattern of self-pity and self-loathing. We're never good enough. It has to start from a foundation of who Christ is to us. It has to start from there. For some of you right here, listen, for some of you come to church and you haven't had a relationship with God. You, you've never asked God into your heart. And so you come to church like this, you don't have a cup, and yet you feel God sprinkling on you a little bit. You feel it, and you think that's the foolishness, like, man, I'm saved, man, I feel it. And we go back our week, and yet when we leave, we still feel empty. There's something missing. Listen, Christ is the cup that allows us to fill up. And when you accept Christ, God begins to pour himself out, but it's our responsibility as Christians to keep ourselves under the fountain God, and God will do the rest. Can I tell you something? There's nothing more in the vision we're going to unpack that's going to mean anything if we don't get this right. And so my challenge for you, for me, for the elders, one of the first things it is, look at ourselves. Can I tell you, we didn't walk this like, man, we can't wait to unpack. We, our elders walked back. We said, we got to look at ourselves. In my own life, man, am I walking with the Lord? Am I engaged in the connected? Am I getting life from other people? Am I serving out of passion or just because this is my job? Where are you starting from? I'm pleading with you as a church, do, do not move any farther until you stop right there and look at yourself. God, what do you need me to do? Because the rest of the weeks don't matter if we don't get this. We're like the house built on a sandy, a sandy foundation. And it might look pretty, look cute, and look great, but as soon as the storms hit, guess what? It's all going to come crashing down. And it's not going to last. And we're going to wear people out, and we're going to do more damage to the kingdom of God than benefit. And so where you're at, where you are right now, as the band kind of makes their way up, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pray again. I asked you to do it before, I'm going to ask you to do it again. I'm going to ask you first and foremost to look at yourself and ask yourself, God, where do I need to develop in my life? Where do I need to begin seeking after you? Don't be thinking about other people. Don't be thinking about people in your class. How can we other people do this? Listen, you sit under the fountain of God and let God do the rest. And so where in your life does that look like? We're not looking for perfection in Christianity. We're looking for people who are pursuing the Lord. God wants faithful followers, not finished products, mature, perfect people. God wants faithful followers. And so start developing in that. And so I pray you, like me, would take a second and look at yourself. God, where can I start? Do you, do you have a relationship with God? Are you growing in your walk? Have you spent time? Do you spend time seeking after the Lord on your own? Or do you just come to church hoping that it, we do it all here? Or are you seriously engaged in a connecting group? I know some of you have stepped away, maybe not been plugged in. Maybe you kind of half come, half don't. Listen, we, we have to be engaged in life transformation with other people because sometimes our cup is struggling and we need to be filled up by others. 
Are you serving? Are you fulfilling your role in the kingdom? Have you found your place? Are you serving based out of what God has put into you? We can't have people pouring our kids, our students, or our adults out of the fumes, out of the, 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 the leftovers. God, we, we need the excess to be poured out. So I'm going to ask you just to take a second and just how, how can you be a part of this vision? It starts with me and it goes out. If you're one of those people that I was talking about that you don't have a cup or you've just been coming to church and Jesus has sprinkled himself on you, listen, I want to ask you to have a relationship with the Lord today. I want to invite you to that. Our elders will be in the back. Bradley's back there. He, he would love to pray with you and talk to you about this. So I'm going to ask you to just take a second. I'm going to turn it over to Matt and just let him lead us into worship whenever it's time. So you take a second and you reflect whatever way you need to.